<laughs> but, you know, I hope, I hope it can be said of all of us that we do have peace like a river this morning. I want to tell you all something uh, in place of a joke. Uh, will laugh at me for just a little bit. I, um, I, some of you all laugh at me all the time. That's okay. I deserve it, you know. Esther's like, me? Me? It just happened to be coincidence, but you know. Uh, last week, um, after the service was over and after you know, the sermon had been preached and whatnot, as always, every week it's uploaded to the internet. And I don't do it every week, but you know, several times you know, throughout the month, when I have a minute or I'm driving somewhere, I'll listen to the sermon I preach, not out of vain like, oh man, listen to this guy, he's really good. No, I try to get better at, at you know, what, what I do. I want to become a better preacher. And so listening myself and critiquing myself is one of the ways that I try to do that. I do not watch the video. I just can't. I cannot watch myself. But I listen to myself. And I listen to myself as I was reading the scripture from last week. And I want to say you all were very kind not to say anything to me. But as I was reading through the scriptures, I was listening to it read. And I, I got to the point to where, and watch out for the mulliters of the flesh. I thought... Mulliters, that's mutilators. I'm thinking that as I'm driving, I'm like, what did I say? You know, I've got, you know, I guess in my head there's some ancient, you know, dragon, some kind of mystical fantasy creature that is going to come and it's going to mollate people. I, I, you know, so I don't know what that was from. I don't know why that happened. Didn't even know that it happened. Listen to it. What in the world? Backed it up a couple of times. So, Thank you all for not saying anything to me. I appreciate it. I was educated at a very fine school, and uh, you know, I uh, you know, at least I believe that. And uh, so, anyway, there you go. So I will do my best to use the proper pahonics. That's how it's said, right? Phonics. Excuse me. <laughs> and and read the scripture uh, most appropriately this morning. So thank you all for being good sports. Oh, anyway, um, I also want to say again, as Esther said, I want to say thank you to all the folks who came to the service yesterday for Janet. Um, it was cold outside, and I appreciate you all coming and standing through what was a little longer uh, service than a typical graveside. Uh, you know, I've never, usually I try to keep them short, uh, but when I said it's about 15, 20 minutes, I got something I'd never heard before. Can you make it a little longer? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of my specialty. <laughs> so thank you all for coming and helping honor a lady's mother who none of you all have met and didn't know her until I introduced you at the graveside. That really, I just joined Esther's words. That's love. That's the kind of love God asks us to show. Uh, to people, <clears throat> not just believers, but to show to everybody unconditional love that says, I love you just because I want to love you. And that was an act of unconditional love yesterday. So I thank you all. And I know there were a lot of people who had good intentions and it was cold. And I'm not putting down anybody who didn't come, but for the ones who did, I, you know, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, you don't even know how much that meant to, to Janet. It was uh, wonderful, wonderful. And the flowers that are on the or on the communion table were from the, the service yesterday. We were trying to fix them. They were a little windblown. And so, you know, I would push it up one side, and Esther says it lowers it on the other. 
I'd turn it, and she said, turn it back, and I just finally we compromised. But they are beautiful flowers, and, uh, and I thank Janet for leaving those uh, with us from Miss Mary's service. Well, as every week when we come to this time, not out of habit, but we do it because we must, uh, I'd like to pray and ask God to be in our time of study together. Father, thank you for bringing us here today to worship and praise you, to gather in this place, to lift up your name higher than any other name. For Lord, we know that there is something special when the church comes to commune with one another. In fact, Lord, in your holy scriptures, I, I love how you have a word, koinonia, that, that we can't even, there's not even an English word for it other than it's just a mystical union of, of believers. I thank you, Lord, that we can be a part of this this wonderful union that when we come together where two or three are gathered, Lord, that your spirit fills this place. There is koinonia, there is fellowship, there is love, there is joy, there is peace. Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that if there be anything in our hearts standing in the way of there being perfect harmony and fellowship in this place, that, Lord, you would do your will to eradicate it, to put it aside. Lord, uh, not that we shouldn't address it, but that we might hear your word this morning and then know how to, to pick back the things that we left at the door on our way in. Lord, help us use this word to better approach our weeks, our jobs, our lives, our families, our situations that we're in. Lord, let us not do it by ourselves. Let us do it with you. Use this word to impact and change our daily living. Not just for our sake, but Lord, for the sake of the people who live around us who need, to, who need to see you. But also, Lord, more importantly, for your sake, that we live as those who have been redeemed to show you to the world. Father, that there might be much rejoicing among those who need to rejoice in you for the first time. Father, let this word comfort us where we need to be comforted today and let it convict us where we need to be convicted, myself included. Give us peace, Lord, as we, as we come into your word. But Lord, as we seek to live it out, may your presence guide us in the ways that we should go. I pray these, these things and ask that uh, your spirit speak through me today. To these ears, may they hear, not my words, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 will begin with verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. It's also in your bulletin, and it's also on the screen for you. And Brother Evan, good to see you up there. If you'll follow along with me. Uh, there is a lot of scripture in your bulletin. We're only going to be reading through verse 16. I realized I got to where I would typically stop and think that's a good stopping place because we could have been here a lot longer and the church said, Amen. Yeah, thank you for not doing that. So there's good stuff and we'll look at it next time. But uh, today, <coughs> excuse me, Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12 and reading through verse 16. It reads like this. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus 
took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, well, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I'm just going to preface this. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me on this one. Because I want to know the truth. I need to know the truth. I am uncertain of the truth in this area. How many people can eat just one tater chip? I'm serious. I really am. How many people, I want you to raise your hand, how many people can sit down with your favorite brand of tater chip and eat just one? <laughs> Mine are fistfuls. You know, just all that you can, just shove it in there. I one, really, you can only eat one potato chip and you two and put them down? Whether you want to or not. Wow. Anybody else? Okay, we've got some, we've got some people who are, you know, kind of breaking the bell curve here. But, you know, most all of us, you know, the vast 99 point something percent of us in this room and most all of probably America uh, and others who are privileged to eat potato chips, we can't just eat one. We cannot just eat one tater chip and put the whole bag down. No, and you know what I find makes it even worse. Now, this might up the ante for people like you all, is when you add chips with dip. So you already, yeah, I heard that. Oh, my. You know, you've, you've taken what you normally could eat and you've added to it. Now you've doubled or tripled the amount that you could do with chips and dip. And, and it's because it's so good, right? I mean, it's so good, it's sinful. And it really can be because we eat too many. Look, at this is, this is a public service announcement. This is what happens to you. I'll give you all a look too. This is what happens when you eat too many potato chips, when you don't just stop with one and put the bag down. It, it's just the truth. They, they are so good. You know, we, we, we eat them one after another because we just can't seem to get enough. Now, I know that this is a silly illustration. Very silly illustration. But it's still an illustration nonetheless. And would you believe that this sort of hunger and desire that we have when we open up a bag of potato chips and smell them for the very first time is a similar sort of hunger to that in which Paul talks about in verse 12 that we've read? Let me read that one more time. Not that I have already attained all of this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I got that illustration when I heard this bit from one of my favorite commentaries when they were talking about this verse. This is what it says. Obtain. The word obtain in this scripture passage can mean to take hold of, to receive, to make one's own, or to apprehend. 
So Paul may have been saying that he had not fully grasped all the meaning of Christ in his life. So there is more to grasp, more to receive by pressing on. The power of Christ in Paul's life aroused him to want to know Christ better. And this would take a lifetime. Paul saw the Christian life as a process. While believers are considered righteous when they accept salvation, their entire lives are still yet marked by growth toward Christ-likeness. I just simply have to say how true this is. At the time of our salvation, as the old King James says, we are imputed, we are given, it is pressed in upon us so much so that we are saturated with us. At the time of our salvation, we are imputed with Christ's righteousness. Yet God would so have it that we not remain in stasis mode or that we would not remain sedentary in our faith lest we become hardened to His Spirit. No, God is calling us to deeper places of faith to obtain more and more every day. Let me give you a practical example of this. If you are to go to the Martha Jefferson Hospital walking trail, you will most likely find yourself on this path. If you go down to the walking trail, you will most likely find yourself on this path that's just below the Hilton Garden Inn and the Shadwell Restaurant. Now, on your left, while you're walking on this path, you will find this beautiful pond. And if you hang around this pond long enough, you will see fish swimming, you'll see turtles diving in and out of the water, and geese happily floating by. That's what you see when you look to this pond. Now, if you get back on the path and you keep walking forward across the road, you will find another pond that from a distance looks nice too. But yet upon closer examination, there is something wrong with this pond. It doesn't seem as healthy as the one that you just left behind. In fact, there is algae that's growing in the pond. I don't know if you can see it or not, but that dark area fills that pond all over. Immense, thick, dense amounts of algae that have formed around the edges of the water. And if you get up close enough to it, the water actually has an unpleasant smell. You can't see any fish, you can't see any of the turtles, and the geese are nowhere to be found. Two ponds so close together, right across the road from one another, but yet there is a marketable difference between the two of them. And it's this. One is healthier than the other. But the question is, what makes one pond healthier than the other? You see, church, in this pond, what makes a difference is the water is constantly moving. It's constantly being stirred. 
by the fountain that rises up from the middle of the water. It changes the water's flow from the inside out, making it a place that is healthy because it's constantly being stirred. And it's not only good for the pond itself, but that's why all the other creatures like to come and inhabit the pond. That's why fish can survive there. That's why turtles like to be around it. That's why geese come by. And if you can see it in that photo, in the background, there are a couple geese. Did you know that those aren't real? Those are statues. They really are. Go stand there. They won't move. But the point of the statue is this. There's a statue at that pond. You know where there's not a statue? At the other pond. Because you'll never find geese there. But you will always find them at this pond because the water is constantly being stirred. All these creatures take up residence there because it is healthy. They want to be there. They like to be around it because it's constantly being stirred from within. Church, so it is a parable for our Christian life. To the New Testament church, the Apostle James posed this question. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but he does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Church, here's the truth. When we grab hold of the faith that has grabbed hold of us, we cannot let it go. Deep within us will be a magnificent fire that cannot be extinguished but rather it seeks to burn for all of the world to see. Paul is our example of this in the Scriptures. At one time in his life, he sought to push Christ and His servants as far away as he possibly could until Christ revealed Himself to Paul. When face to face with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Paul bowed down in view of all of His glory. And from that moment on, he sought to look deeper and deeper and deeper into the glory of Christ that embraced him, not shunning it any longer, but accepting it and making it his own. The wonder of Jesus, the magnificence of salvation, and the mystery of a future resurrection unto life eternal pulled Paul into deeper fondness of the majesty of the God who is so high above, yet is so close as He indwells in the presence of His Holy Spirit within each and every single one who calls upon the name of the Lord and has been saved. Listen again to Paul's words in verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, Paul says. 
I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Yes, Paul wants to know Christ and he wants to know Him deeper and deeper and deeper. This knowledge of Jesus was, was ever deepening and widening within Paul's heart. This knowledge not only stirred Paul to deeper devotion himself, but every time he talked of Jesus, every time he was full of the Spirit, his devotion also stirred up devotion in the hearts and the lives of all those that Paul came in contact with as he traveled, ministered, and wrote letters encouraging people to accept this same Jesus that accepted him first. You see, he truly exhibited the words of Jesus in his life when Jesus encouraged the masses in his Sermon on the Mount that you are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill which cannot be hidden. Church, the light for Paul's lamp. Because this was before electric lights. The way you get a light was from a lamp that had to be fueled by oil. The fuel for Paul's lamp, the fuel for Paul's fire that burned bright was his words in verses 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had to do one thing to stay focused on Jesus. In our lives, we will find that there is one thing that helps draw us into Jesus Christ that keeps us focused and intent on Him. For Paul, he says, I have to forget what is behind me. For me to stay focused on Jesus, I have to forget what is behind me. For Paul, there might have been some hurt, but more than that, there was pride. There was envy. There was, I'm better than anyone else, and I've been in the biggest circles. He said, this one thing I do, I have to forget what is behind, so I can press forward to what is ahead. That one thing he wants, that one thing he desires, that one thing that keeps coming back. Do you all see it yet that Jesus was Paul's potato chip? Seriously. Think about it. Paul would go to Jesus. He would think about Jesus. He would study the Scriptures. He would meditate. He would pray. He would get around the believers. He could not get enough of it. Just a little bit of Jesus to him started a whole wave. of Spiritual depth that he did not want to see stilled in his life. Paul just could not get enough of Jesus. Paul rejoiced in the Lord for Jesus alone was sufficient to fill his life with joy every day. Paul need not anything else except for Jesus. Paul said, I've learned to be content with much, but I've learned to be content with little. Because his contentment wasn't found in the world, it was found in Jesus. And Jesus provided all he needed and more. 
Jesus alone was sufficient for Paul, and he rejoiced in that every day. With these words, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul admits that perfection in Jesus is something that he seeks for, something he searches, something he would desperately desire. But yet he knows that this will not be fully manifested in him this side of heaven. But yet his growth and strivings for perfection, striving for Christ-likeness, is what would keep Paul connected to Jesus Christ and would keep him focused on heaven and not focused on the gratification of the flesh for sinful desires. Because you see, our sin would have it that it would pull us from the love of God. It takes us from the presence of God and it casts us down to the lowest depths of hell. For the wages of sin is death. But yet the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Church, you see, Paul knew that he had to have Jesus. And he knew that sin would stop him from seeing Jesus and being in His presence. Paul loved being with the Lord. How many people love being with the Lord? Say amen. Some of y'all didn't sound very convinced. How many of us love to be with the Lord? Amen? Amen. But yet, at times, there are things in life that will cause that amen to be silenced. For they pull us from God. Now, you all know that I love music. It's not a surprise. And uh, one of my, my favorite songs um, to listen to, but to be convicted by, is a song that was penned by uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither several decades ago. It starts off saying this, I repent for moments I have spent recalling all the pain and the failures of my past. I repent for dwelling on the things beyond my power to change the chains that held me fast. And I give up the bitterness and hate and the blaming men and fate for all my discontent. The guilt and pain I empty from my cup so God can fill it up with peace and sweet content. I will go on. My past I leave behind me. I gladly take His mercy and His love. He is joy and He is peace. He is strength and sweet release. I know He is and I am His. Yes, I, I will go on. I think if Paul would write songs, he probably would have written this one first. And speaking to the origins of this song, because everybody loves a good origin story. Marvel and DC Comics are making a lot of money off those these days. Everybody loves a good origin story. I love how this song came about. Gloria Gaither wrote this saying, I Will Go On is one of the most encouraging songs we've ever written. It is also one of the most discouraging. And I must say that it was far easier to write it than it ever was or is to live it out. It is encouraging because it reminds us over and over to get the hard stuff in perspective, to realign our worldview and get the past behind us. It is one of the most discouraging, at least for me, because about the time I get to the place 
or I have put the past behind me on one issue in my life, repented of my attitude and my resentment, the self-disrespecting regret, or the paralyzing discouragement. I put these things behind me, and I've asked God to help me refocus on Him in the future and surrender to the upward pull of His grace. But then some new life tsunami seems to sweep into my life. Perhaps that is why confession, repentance, trust in, and reliance on the work of God that He has already done and not our own abilities to focus on the gratitude and the praise and active compassion for others are also essential to the ongoing faith of the believer. Paul tells us in verses 15 and 16, that all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, well, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Church, can I tell you what we've already attained? What we are supposed to live up to? It's Jesus. Jesus is what we've already attained. And He is what we are supposed to live up to. Church, in Jesus, we have found salvation. He has wiped our past away. And He expects us and desires us and wants us so desperately to leave behind the old chains that used to hold us fast and the ones that kept us bound. Our sins and our past are harmful and toxic to our future. But Jesus is refreshing, and He's ever renewing. For whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, Jesus has said, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Church, in this verse, in this passage that we have read, in Jesus Christ, we can alone be satisfied in Him. We can rejoice always in Him. We don't need anything else. We just need Him. We've already attained Him, and we need not attain anything else. So may we look at the words of Paul and his example and be comforted by him, by his strivings as one who was focusing on Christ and ask to the Lord to help us focus on him and him alone. Would you pray with me? Father, I come, Lord, asking that you help us that you strengthen us and you encourage us. Lord, in our lives to seek you. Father, you put your offer out there, but I pray that you will beckon us to your salvation. Beckon us to your grace every day. Beckon us alone to your mercy. Father, that we would not seek satisfaction from anything else but that we would seek it from you. 
And Lord, in moments when we do look behind, when we do fall back into the ways of the world, into the ways of sin that had so easily entangled us at one time, Lord, don't let them keep us bound. But help them to pull us back into you. Lord, stir our hearts with your spirit. May your word, may your son, may your Holy Spirit be that ever-present fountain in our lives that springs up and renews us, Lord. Not just in certain moments, but every day. May we do like Paul and find one thing that keeps us pressing on. Lord, if there is one thing that keeps us from from being in your presence, Lord, help us seek it out and help us to eradicate it. For Lord, we need to rejoice in you alone. We find perfect satisfaction in you. Lord, help us to hunger and desire you above all else. Lord, that we might be blessed. That we sought you. But that others might be blessed because we sought you as well. That they might see you because of us. Not for our glory, but for yours. Lord, you've brought great peace into our lives and you stilled our anxious hearts and helped us in our time of need. Father, please, let us not forget you. For you're our God and our King. In this moment, we raise our hearts to you as an offering. We seek not to be satisfied by the things of the world. O Lord, but by your Spirit. Fill us in this moment. Draw us back to you. Through Christ I pray. Amen. If we had to stop and take inventory of our relationship with Jesus Christ right now, if he were to come and plunge the depths of our very souls, what would he say? What would he say to us? Would he say that he's even there? Has he ever been there? Has Christ ever taken up residence in our heart at one time? Have we welcomed him in? Would he maybe say that our hearts are springing up like a fountain and giving life to to all of our being and also helping encourage life in those who come around us, who seek residence around our lives, would he say that our hearts are full with him? Or would he maybe say that our hearts are are stagnant? That we're not being stirred by anything? Is he maybe asking you to let him stir your heart this morning? I don't know your response to Jesus if he were to ask these questions. But because I know the power of his spirit, he speaks to all of us whenever questions of faith arise. My simple, not just request, but my plea is that if the Lord is talking to you right now, if he's telling you where you stand with him, and if it's anywhere beside the center of his will, 
that you would answer His call. Grace and mercy. And let Him create in you a fountain that gives life to your whole being. Don't leave this place not wanting to answer Jesus. Don't leave this place not having what you need in Him. Leave this place full with Him. Is it going to be hard on some days? It's not an instant fix. As Paul said, every day I strain, I press, I look, I run. But let us today decide that today is the day that we start. Or the day that we return. Or the day that we remain in Jesus. I offer that invitation to anyone who will accept it this morning. As we stand together and as we sing.